hello, I'm David Warner. This is Toby's podcast. I'm not in it, and neither are you. There are three golf balls on the moon, and that's a fact. This is the Toby Haydock Podcast. The Toby Haydock Podcast. He needed some copyright-free opening music. This is it. That's probably enough now. Bye. Well, hello and welcome to the very second Toby Haydock Podcast a piece of audio frippery that lasts approximately the same time as an iPhone battery. It's, uh, it's 25 minutes. Uh, for those of you without iPhones, don't worry. Whilst iPhone users can get weather reports, play a computer game, and no doubt download an app that enables them to hypnotise the meat of their choice and then turn base metal into gold whilst having up-to-date football scores downloaded directly into their brains. When they need to make a sustained and audible phone call, they're jiggered. Uh, I'm Toby Haydock, and if you're in any doubt about how to pronounce my name, listen to how I do it, and then copy that. Yeah, and don't correct my pronunciation like that man who worked out the reception of an ibis I was unfortunate enough to once check in did. You won't get into my good books that way, and I've got loads of good books. And none of them were written by A.A. A. Gill. What a surprise. Anyway, hello, it's the Toby Haydock podcast, What's Been Going On in the News. Uh, this month, uh, The Sun gave away a free bag of chips with every copy. Uh, Harry Ramsden's have made a counteroffer. If you buy a bag of chips, they'll wrap them in a decent paper. Uh, now, of course, what he giveth with one hand, he loseth with another. Rupert Murdoch gained a son on Sunday and then had to sack a son the following Wednesday. Ah, ying and ylang. Now, I discovered this week also that Oliver Cromwell went to Sydney Sussex College, Cambridge. He was offered a place at King's, but he said, uh, oh, I'm not going there. That's a, that's a Reformation stroke, anti-monarchist stroke, university-based joke there. Yep. You, uh, you won't get that in the Grumbleweeds podcast. Uh, now, coming up, uh, we have some more of your tweets, uh, a sketch or two, another goodbye, sadly, and hopefully some stuff that will justify my wittering clogging up your portable storage and entertainment device. Oh, yes, but uh, we're about to have a musical link, uh, and uh, some of you have very kindly contacted me to say, because of our simple piece of music that we have, that is self-confessedly copyright-free, that somehow in downplaying this music we were suggesting it wasn't very good and you've offered in your droves access to all sorts of copyright-free music you have no doubt wonderfully produced that is hewn from the finest musicians in the land uh, and you've very, very generously offered to make that available to us here at the Toby Haydock podcast. Um, you know, I quite like our music it's it's self-consciously downplays itself you know it's much like if you were to have a drink with me in a pub and i went oh i'm rubbish or oh i'm not very handsome or cool i'm really boring and not very good at stuff yeah i, I don't say any of those things for you to actually agree with me 
I say those things for you to go, No, Toby, of course you are. Here's a list of things that are wonderful about you and a drink to lift your spirits. It's fine. It's, it's quite catchy. It's sung by a very beautiful woman who just happens to be my wife. And yes, yes, listeners, I know it's a surprise. I do have a wife. Uh, yes, it's a surprise and also a testament to Vietnamese commerce. Those of you that are uh, surprised that I have a wife, don't worry. It's a surprise to her too. Uh, but then I reignite the hypno ray and she obeys once again so you know when we go oh this is music that's a bit sort of not very good we like it so you know don't offer us yours thanks anyway but don't listen it's great it's really catchy or irritating you decide (laughs) and whatever you decide it's still up to me this is a Toby Haydock sketch. Ooh, sketch. Hello, little Jenny. Hello, Mr. Dawkins. Your mummy and daddy have asked me to read your bedtime story. Oh, goody, I love a story. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Once upon a time, there was a great big giant. Oh. Although he won't have been that big, because generally giantism only causes people to grow about seven or eight feet tall, so he wouldn't have been bigger than a house or anything. He wouldn't have been remotely exciting looking, just quite large. He'd have been a tall man, quite normal, quite explicable, nothing to get any joy or excitement from. Oh. The giant lived atop a huge beanstalk which grew from magic seeds. Beanstalk! How marvellous! Yes, a couple of things here. No beanstalk would be of sufficient girth to have a giant living on top of it. Uh, Plus, what's he doing up there? Does he have a house? Somewhere to stretch his legs? Any life needs aside from those that serve the function of this rather thin and feeble tail? They they really haven't thought this through. It's just a story. No, it's mythical propaganda to keep you in your place. You don't need dishonest talk of ogres and beasts to encourage decent manners. You just need empirical, fact-based research to show you that bad behaviour will lessen your chances of leading a fulfilling life. I like the pictures, though. Flummery. That's quite enough of this. Choose a different textbook. I don't have a textbook as a bedtime story, Mr Dawkins. I have tales of knights and princesses and dragons. There's no such thing as dragons, you tawdry-minded fire-worshipper. If you're going to be so horrid, I think I'll just go to sleep. Good night, Mr. Dawkins. Well, good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Why would you buy into that nonsense? It's a hard and scientific fact that bed bugs have been eradicated in the developed world since the early 1940s. In addition, one, they are barely detectable nocturnal creatures, and two, the concept of being let to bite suggests compliance on their part or facilitation on yours. It's a frankly ridiculous concept that their choice is not a matter of instinct, but is somehow based on your consent. To anthropomorphize the microscopic obligatory hermatophagus insect of no cognitive function beyond mere survival and the propagation of its species is an act of naive wish-fulfillment that flies in the face of reality. The presence of a pithy rhyme does little to add to the veracity or relevance of such a feeble-minded mantra. It is simply a construct to get you to go to sleep without questioning the reasons why your parents wish you out of the way during the nocturnal hours and provides you with false comfort when you awake that said beasts have not punctured your skin with their incisors, which of course they haven't, because as any sentient being of the 21st century must surely accept, they do not exist and have no place in a civilised culture, even as part of a mythology utilised as a form of opiate and social control.
Good night. Mr. Dawkins, I don't believe you just said so many horrible things. You said don't believe. Excellent. We'll make a joyless grown-up of you yet. This is a Tommy Haydock link. Well, so this isn't all just the same, recorded in my massive, highly equipped studio, which is designed specifically to sound like an attic bedroom and garage band. I will record some of the show when I'm out on the road, so that at least some of my time at home will be spent with my long-suffering wife. And I'm I'm not being self-deprecating when I say she's long-suffering, by the way. I beat her and put splinters in her fingernails and make her watch Take Me Out! If ever there was a TV programme that had a title that described what I'd like to do to its host, it's that one. Oh, well. Anyway, what hellhole am I, was I, or indeed will I, be broadcasting from this week? Can you hear me, O Toby Haydock, from a different time stream? Where are you? What are you doing? And whose twittered questions are you going to answer? Well, here I am in a dressing room at Granada Television Studios. Oh, yes, Travel Lodge last month, Granada Studios dressing room this month. These are the moves I make as I weather the showbiz storm. I just walked past an actress, the actress who played Mary Ash in the 1972 Doctor Who story Colony in Space. No idea what she might be doing here at Granada Studios, where stars like me hang out, but um, I'm sure she was up to no good. Anyway, uh, this is where I'm going to answer, I think, one of your questions, uh, and the question is from... William Tennant at WLLMTNNNT. And the question is, uh, whose butler would I like to be? And... uh, the answer to that question is, hmm, it's a difficult one because I think I have the makings of a butler because I, I, I can affect the requisite levels of disdain for all things modern life. I'm a mere 38 years old, but in Haydock years, that's about 72, maybe 68. Um, and I'd be very good at raising an eyebrow should my rich playboy master ask for some pop, modern pop music or a particularly rank-sounding alcoholic concoction. Alas, where I would fall flat is on all the, uh, all the uh, you know, pressing of clothes and the turning out neatly. I'm, I'm by nature scruffy, and this is not artifice. This is not an image that I, uh, I try to foster with any sense of, oh, look at me, I just don't care. I have tried time and time again to be smart to look good i'd love to look good because if you look good you feel good i have dressed up to the nines and within approximately 90 seconds the collars popped up or or the the the, uh, buttons broken off the amount of jackets i buy where the buttons fall off now is either that i seem to just alight upon a particular uh, item of clothing that buttons have been cack-handedly sewed on um or, or it's that I somehow can't do buttons up without destroying their their core and making the, them unravel, uh, the, the the threading unravel. Uh, but anyway, I I am not designed to be tidy. 
I am not designed to be smart looking. Would that it were not the case. So I'm afraid I could only be a showbiz butler, one in a fictional butler where wardrobe got to make me look starchy. So to answer the question, also, I think butlers have to be concise. That's another area I've fallen down on. Um, I think I would probably have to be the butler to somebody like Jedwood because uh, I think I could probably enjoy patronising them. Uh, they wouldn't realise it, and hijinks would ensue. So yes, I will be, I will be Jedward's butler, and confuse them with things like toast. It's bread, and yet it's different. How? Ah, the butler's secret. So there we are, Jedward's butler. That's if I fall on really hard times, and Granada Studios don't let me in anymore. This is a Tommy Haydock job. Ooh, and now, a joke. A joke. <clears throat> Who is the most selfish of the Muppets? Beaker, because he's all me, 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 me. <laughs> Ba-boom, and indeed Tish. There we have it then. A joke. A joke. <laughs> the seven hundred mundus of the modern world. Now, you see, things I've witnessed people moaning about this week include the fact that a website fails to load in under two minutes, uh, that the person patiently trying to sort out a telephone inquiry is somehow bothersome, despite their courtesy and no doubt higher qualifications than most of us, bothersome because they dare to have a trace of an Indian accent about them. Oh, heaven forfend. And, uh, yes, and I've also witnessed somebody quite losing their rag at the fact that someone thought it was a good idea to put the TV remote somewhere that it had never been put before, so that when somebody else just wanted to sit down and grab a quick five minutes and watch a quick piece of entertainment, just flick on the telly, channel surf, whatever, just to relax after a long day, the telly remote was nowhere to be found. It was in some stupid, inaccessible, never-before-conceived place that, yeah, all right, that last one, was me i was I, that was me getting cross about that and i was correct anyway that's because i'm i'm prone to moan myself but i do think we're a churlish bunch if we counter our own predilection for what is wrong if we can't occasionally leap about and go ah yes but that's great though isn't it and it's not always the most obvious or celebrated things life is such a rich tapestry that there are various shades of color we barely notice that weave our life into interesting shapes and so I give you... The Seven Hundred Wonders of the Modern World. Number two. Malt, scotch, whiskey. A beastly mistress, but one with whom I've had an ongoing affair for a number of years. Oh, there have been good times and bad. There have been those times where she has sat me down and embraced me in her warm caress. A blissful cuddle at the end of an evening, or a quick knock to the lock of one's floodgates at sad times, which unleasheth a cathartic flow of emotions, but yet catch them as they fall. They've also, sadly, been those times where she's made me so angry with a fridge I've broken a bit of it. Oh, and those others where she neglected to tell my slumbering brain that weighing in the waste paper basket wasn't really the thing to be discovered doing when your housemate returns home. But... 
like a Lamborghini parked in Wigan or a private part in a Labrador. A lovely thing must not be criticised for being used inappropriately. At its heart, an aged malt whisky is the most sublime thing ever. Just one at the end of a long day, or to kickstart an exciting one, and there's nothing better. And like many of the finer things in life, it's an acquired taste. Ah, the honour of perseverance. Not for ye who bulk at the unfamiliar and haven't the patience to assimilate the complex. You, oh, you just carry on supping your fanta and watching Terry and June, with the harsh but gentle, light but heavy, sharp but mellow flavours that use your tongue as a battleground. When you've a glass of whisky in your hand, you need neither Scott nor Whitfield to cap off the joie de vivre. Maybe, as friends of mine have fairly pointed out, the first sip of, say, Lafroig has something of the medicinal about it. Yeah, well, your first snog was like trying to lick a slightly rampant liver, but after the initial disquiet, your exploration of the thing unearthed all sorts of treasures, didn't it? Yes, and unlike when you're snogging. There's no danger of finding a bit of three-day-old lampasander stuck in a brace in a bottle of Glenmorangie. It's a bonding tool too. Now I've always admired the work of the actor Bernard Kay, and on the day we met, when we nipped outside for some air, his proffering of a hip flask full of Glenfiddich made me feel both flattered and immediately comfortable, and、uh, just gave me an inkling that we were probably going to get on. And better still, I once worked in a pub where a rather pompous man. Clearly ready to flash his cash about, humorously interrogated me about the divers whiskies behind the bar. He only wanted the best. I ran him through the highs and the lows of each one, offering commentary, suggestions, and I hope a lightness of touch. Without reciprocating the conviviality, his thin lips ushered forth a joyless request for Talisker. Ah, the most wonderful, a fine choice. This will thaw his heart and make the dour creature before me join us all in the human race and forget about his posturing and his money. I distilled him a large one. Ice, I inquired. Yes, he said, and top it up with lemonade. Oh, <laughs> he may as well have forced Mother Teresa into a cheap porn film. As I stood there looking at this moneyed gentleman, who clearly felt he exuded power. I instantly knew that I, despite my lowly status, lack of wealth, and unfulfilled dreams, I knew I had something. This man's money would never buy him, and I'll drink to that. This is a I'd like to complain about the separating filth you burst from the zit of your filthy boil of a station onto the unsuspecting mirror that is your viewership. And what program would you like to complain about? Upstairs, downstairs. That's a surprise. It's been very popular. How dare you! You wouldn't say that if I was a Muslim. I am offended by it. So offended it made me vomit anger onto my cat. And what's the nature of your complaint? Where was Gordon Jackson? It's not upstairs, downstairs. If Gordon Jackson isn't in it, I want Gordon Jackson in my downstairs. I'm afraid Gordon Jackson died some years ago. Typical lack of consideration for the viewer. You get an actor I like, and then you kill him just to upset me because I don't live in a mosque or claim benefits. Well, not really. Don't interrupt my moralistic salivations. You'll be persuading me to adopt a gay next. How dare you subject us to something so disgusting? Filth. 
carrion, contamination, corruption, crud, defilement, dregs, dung, excrement, feces, feculence, filthiness, foul matter, foulness, garbage, grime, impurity, mire, muck, mud, nastiness, ordure, pollution, putrefaction, putrescence, putridity, refuse, rottenness, scuzz, sediment, sewage, silt, sleaze, slime, slop, sludge, slush, smut, trash, uncleanliness! I'm only glad I didn't actually see it. You didn't see it? Certainly not. I'm not having my eyes raped by pixels. I heard about it, though, and as such, I'm very cross. Well, don't worry. The series is finished now, and there are no plans to show it again. How dare you? How dare you not show it so I can go out of my way to watch it and take offence? If the BBC doesn't offend me, how can I take offence at its offensiveness? Well, if you know it'll offend you, you're probably better off not watching it. Don't tell me what I can and can't watch. I pay your wages, you know. As a pensioner... You don't sound that old. How dare you? How dare you question the longitude of my longevity? All right, then. As a pensioner... To be... There are a host of BBC programmes that I would like to complain about. Like what? Have I got news for you? Why? Because they haven't. Match of the day. Why? Because there's more than one. It should be called matches of the day. Matches! Blake Seven. Why? Because by the third series, Blake wasn't in it and there weren't seven of them. What more can you say? Monty Python's Flying Circus. Why? It wasn't about someone called Monty Python, nor was there any sight of clowns, acrobats or performing animals. Open all hours. Why? Because he's always closing the shop in the last scene. It's a lie. A BBC lie. Most of the programmes you're complaining about aren't actually on anymore. I know. And that's what just about takes a biscuit. I ring you to complain about programmes that you don't even have the courtesy to make anymore. Is it too much for me to expect you to still make a programme that I want to complain about? But no, no. You'd rather stop making it in a pathetic, despicable attempt to rob me of my voice. Well, I won't have it. We do take every complaint very seriously. Oh, so you want to take my complaints now, do you? Complaint thief! How dare you? I ring up with a complaint and you try to steal it off me. Well, I'm not having it. I shall ring off before you get the chance, you bounder. You're evil. Goodbye. Goodbye. No, 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 Can't you? I said it first. Don't you hang up on me. I want to hang up on you. And another thing. If you stopped making programmes I don't like, you could give the money you save to children, and then they wouldn't have to be in need, would they? Eh? Eh? And I uh, uh, think on that, eh? Think on why, yeah? And, and hello? Hello? Oh, you've hung up on me, have you? Right, that's it. I'm gonna burn my license. I what? Right, I'm gonna. Well, no, I'm gonna hang up. I'm. I. I, I thought you liked me. Well, it's been an awful month in the news concerning the losses of those who've entertained us over the years. They've been rather seismic. So rather than profile one person here, I'll quickly mention Philip Maddock, four-time Doctor Who villain of quiet, controlled intensity, who made a wider splash as David Lloyd George and Maguire in Last of the Mohicans for the BBC, but whose wonderful Welsh tones and undoubted presence, and indeed ability, graced many a production over the years, and whose immortality will doubtless come from a short Dad's Army clip. Peter Halliday was equally at home playing intense, edgy leading characters, usually cross or furtive about something, or pompous authoritarian figures, sometimes with something to hide. His lead roles were in the BBC sci-fi serial A for Andromeda and the 1960s film Dilemma, though he also had a notable regular part in Jimmy McGovern's Hearts and Minds, opposite one Christopher Eccleston. 
I worked with both men on DVD commentaries in recent years, and boy, that was a privilege. I know there's probably lots of talk about good innings and excellent careers, but I nonetheless genuinely mourn the loss of a pair of very fine actors, representative of a way of doing things and doing them very well, that seems increasingly further away and beyond our reach, and that's to our detriment, I feel. Well, that's it. That's the Toby Hado podcast for another month and a bit. Uh, tune in to the next edition, which will be bang on time on the first week of next month. Or will it? Well, that's the exciting thing. Yes, indeed, that's the most exciting thing about the Toby Haydock podcast, is its punctuality or otherwise. And the fact that the person that does it clearly can't say Toby Haydock podcast, which uh, means having done that, I can now leave that stumble in and make it look like art well sound like art well it could look like art it could look like anything you want that's the genius of it exquisite absolutely exquisite anyway you could if you like uh, do a sweepstake to uh, to uh, bet on exactly what date of next month the next edition which is due in the first week of next month will actually be out go on you could have hours of fun arguing over well it will be on time or a little bit late or even later than that. Go on, it would be final proof of just how fulfilling your lives are, or indeed art. Go on, set up a Facebook group. Why not? That'd be hilarious in in absolutely no way. Uh, anyway, let me entice you to listen to next, whichever chronological sphere I decide to unleash it in Z podcast where the credits will definitely not be read by harold pinter he's too busy answering questions from annoying and informed spirits of the afterlife about the appearance in the doctor who story the abominable snowmen that he didn't make uh, there'll definitely be a joke and also a fact and obituary corner won't feature sadly made in chelsea uh, the word made there presumably being used in the same context as it would be in the sentence I just made some napalm, or I just made an outbreak of cholera. Obituary Corner also won't feature famine, poverty, injustice, and that unquenchable feeling of disappointment you feel whenever you contemplate the very last episode of Lost. Till then, peace, love, and tatty bye. This has been Toby Haydock, making noise in your ears, hopefully not too disagreeably. Farewell. the Toby Haydock podcast which featured Toby Haydock and Catherine Mount. Additional material was by Tony Kinsella and David Warner did the intro, but not the outro, hence me.
Yeah, I actually, um, I have utter contempt for anybody that listens to podcasts, especially from not particularly well-known comedians. I mean, what do I not particularly well-known? I mean, you know, not even well-known enough to appear on 8 out of 10 cats. I don't even like 8 out of 10 cats, but it'd be nice to be asked, wouldn't it? You know, I don't want to kiss Jordan. But it'd be nice to be asked. She's kissed just about everybody else. Um, anyway, no. No, I know. I know, shadows hanging about for minutes and minutes of silence just to get a bit of stuff that's contrived to be wacky because it's right at the very end. Yeah, hateful, hateful. Go away. I punch babies when no one's looking. There, I've said it. <laughs> 